Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm well. Just a bit tired of just tired generally, and tired of the cold. Well, yes. Hmm. It's it's that point in the year. Yes, I know. I don't think February is a good month. No, no. For energy levels. Hmm. I really, I I just think it's too much. Yeah. We should have a gap in February. You know, like how in in um like sort of twenties, thirties, vogues. In February, everybody just takes their bets. It seems. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That they just like they have their skiing season post Christmas, mm. and then they go to bed, and their mates, which I don't agree with mates, so that would be a thing that would be a difficulty. But they just, you know, they just focus on skincare, nails, hair, mm. until they're revived for the spring season. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like the level of activity we can yeah, cope with. Yeah, maybe really. next week I can do that. Yes, mm. and and also get a beautiful bed jacket. Yes, that's a good idea. I mean, I wonder if those things even exist as things anymore. I'm not sure, actually. I, I haven't seen one, but then I haven't looked for one. Well, I haven't, but I think of them as something elderly ladies wore 50 years ago. Yeah. But clearly there was a point where they were very shishy and lovely. Yeah. We have so a really we'll have nice fur- one. We have oh, quite you? we have quite a few. We have sort of 18th century ones, but we also no. have a 19th century one in red wool with a really nice bow at the neck. I think it should oh, have a bow. Lovely. I think oh, that's Oh god, important. it has to have a bow. Yeah. That's mm. like the minimum it has yeah. to have. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. I hadn't thought about one being warm and woolly I just thought fancy mm. <laughs> surprisingly for me yeah that was where I went and what's going oh, on yeah. with you well talking of warming garments I'm having a sweater crisis oh no if I, yes so earlier this week someone who will not be named but it wasn't me and it wasn't Coda okay washed one of my sweaters in oh. with a normal wash oh no and is it, it very was, it was like small. a big one. Oh, it's wrecked. It's it, it looks really quite comical because it was a like a big oversized one that was like kind of a pleasing mushroomy pink colour, the main bit, mm. and the navy blue sleeves are very chunky. Mm. And now it is a cropped, immensely long sweater. <laughs> I don't know what or who could wear it. Interesting. It must be some sort of mixed fibre thing going on, I Well, wonder. it's cotton. Oh, how odd. But it's it's like shrunk upwards mm. and then just <laughs> immensely long. <laughs> so probably Adrian Cojanari, I could all wear it at once. Yeah. And look ridiculous. Oh. So that was my first sweater disaster. Are there my more? My second one. Yeah, my second. Oh, there's two. There's two. My... New, I've only had it since, I don't know, Christmas. No, I had got it in the autumn. Eve Klein blue cashmere sweater. Mm. I caught it as I went out the door and it's ripped a little hole at the back. Well, I guess that could be solved. You could. Well, it, I'm thinking there's, because there's, there's a place, yeah. Invisible, invisible mending, mending. Exactly. exactly. I mean, you, you could go for visible mending. But it doesn't work for everything. Well, it's like it's it's like it's a as I say, Eve Klein Blue want to stress that because that was what really drew me to it. 
and it's cable, so it's kind of preppy, mm. but it's something else too, and it's got a slightly longer back, and it's at the back, so I think if I just suddenly had a... A pink, yeah. A pink, well, obviously pink, it would have mm. to be. A pink down there is kind of in a weird place. Yeah. Yeah, I try. I've like never... mistake. I've never had anything invisibly mended, I've have you? I've had two things, oh. three things, three things. I had, I've got this beautiful... Do you remember, it's from years ago, this this really lovely striped, like broad, broad striped Clemens Ribeiro cashmere v-neck with short oh, sleeves. Oh, yes. Mm. With sequins, like with flat sequins in the pale grey. And that got a hole in it. And they did that beautifully. And then I had, I've got a bottle green cashmere. They did that beautifully. And Adrian had a suit, a jacket, just a bit on the sleeve done mm. It was all very lovely. Wow, I need to ask I you next time. I have faith in them. Yeah, sounds very, they sound very good. They're very, very good. Mm. And so, yes, that one at least can be Yeah, the saved. other one, there's nothing the you can do. The other one, unless I find a very short, very broad person. Mm. And <laughs> even then, I don't think it's going to flatter them. No, no. It's, it's really, it's gone. And then I thought, well, maybe... Coda can have it in his bed. Oh, yeah. But then it's it's quite open weave, so I thought he'd get his toes caught in it. Oh. Because he does, like, if I ever lay a jumper on the bed or anything, he immediately sits on it. So he, he would quite like one of my sweaters, mm. but not that one. So, But I'm paranoid because things happen in threes. So what if another one's going to have a disaster? Uh, I think they don't always happen in threes. Okay. I think you, you're safe. I'll your Yeah. Because, you know, today was one of my special wash all my special fabrics yeah i don't really have the patience for that kind of thing well you know how paranoid i am about my my collection and how (laughs) precious it is to me yeah so these things have to happen no i'm all for looking after your clothes oh yeah no i mean i have far too many cashmere sweaters for to be polite really but some of them I've had for like twenty years, so I feel that's okay. Oh, that's because very I good. Wear them yeah, and wear no. them, wear them. Mm. Like they, they never get thrown out. You know, they get made into Coda's bed or whatever. Speaking um, so of, so they last forever. Many Pardon? clothes. Speaking of many clothes. Oh yes, many clothes. I went. I was in Liverpool yesterday. I've never even been there. Tell me. So I went with my friend Danielle, who is mm. the curator of the Westminster Menswear Archive. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So we um, we decided, yeah, we were going to have a look at this exhibition. It's called um, Mrs. Tinney's Wardrobe. Actually, that's what the book is called. Um, oh. So it was at the Walker Art Gallery, and it's this woman who lived from 86. 1886 to 1966 and oh what an interesting period yes, to live through. yeah oh it's actually called an english lady's wardrobe and okay. um she when she died they found i think 700 items or or maybe the wow. museum in the end took 700 items of clothing so they didn't even take Goodness. everything yeah and and her, her clothes were displayed before, and I, there's a really good book, and which I've sort of slightly changed, but it, it's basically still the same. But it's really, really brilliant. Well, but I, I hadn't seen the exhibition. I feel that was an exhibition that was on a list that I never made it to. Yeah, 
So I I don't know when it it, for, it was first. I think they gave a lot of clothes when she first died, and then they gave a few. You know, one of the they one of the daughters had some more. So they've sort of been given things in um, what's the word in phases. Ah. And um, this so they've they've never. I think they've never displayed everything, but so they've displayed this time again a, a selection because I hadn't seen the other one, and I find this you know one person's wardrobe so interesting oh i love um, ones like that i wanted to go it was it was really really interesting there was there were three rooms and in the first one there was a sort of bit of a background to her and she was a missionary's daughter and oh she was born in calcutta actually but she was sent to england quite early on when she was quite small and then she lived with her aunt in edinburgh and went to school in Seven Oaks, I think. And then she went to learn, um, what was it called? Domestic science. Yeah, she became a domestic science oh teacher. And then she moved to Liverpool because an uncle was moving there. And there she must have met her future husband, who was a GP. And this is Mr. Tinney. And um, he, he was a GP, but he came from this super wealthy family. Um, originally Dutch, and they were sugar sugar merchants. Oh my word! So, so she had more money than a GP's wife mm. probably normally would have had. And the clothes they have from her are from between 1910 and 1939, and wow. they don't quite know why nothing before 1910. This is when she marries 1910. I see. No, because that's quite a chunk of her life, and so. It's so kind of, I don't know, she's such a woman of the empire period. Yeah, well. yeah, totally. And of her family, the the, the Tinnies, they were also mm. part, partly slave merchants in the early <gasps> period. So, or at least they used enslaved Africans for workers, but wow. I think they also traded. So, so there's a, quite a lot of, yeah, a lot of things sort of bound up in... Yes. In, in this and there was so the the first room which was interesting also you saying something about maids earlier so the first room was a bit about her and it was quite interesting they had a granddaughter of her they had a film of her granddaughter talking about her granny and i oh, think wow. she the she died when this granddaughter was sort of six or ten or something mm. ten maybe i think and and she said in later years she she was always quite she didn't have that many clothes she was quite severely dressed she was generally a very quite a severe strict woman and you could see that in photos she doesn't really smile very much okay um and no one knew that she had all these things in tea chests so I think, oh, how funny. Yeah, when she died, it took three years to sort out all her stuff, apparently. Oh, my God. So, so that was interesting. Something changed during the Second World War, by the sounds of it. And then, yeah. And her husband what died in... What do you in, mean, something changed? Well, that, she, they didn't ha that they don't have clothes after 39, so oh. maybe she just didn't buy that many anymore. Oh, um, maybe. Because before, so doing, so what they say in the um, catalogue and also in the exhibition is that she, she sort of went shopping almost every day, so she that was one of the things she did. You mean like clothes shopping yeah. every day? Yeah. Wow. So. Because I was going to say, well, you had to go shopping every day for food in the olden days. Yes. But for clothes, not so much. Yeah, apparently, yeah. How she did was... she manage that? 
yeah, I guess she didn't always buy buy things, I guess, and maybe she didn't always buy an outfit. There were so the first one just to, one day. Yeah, possibly. Just to quickly say what the exhibition you know the mm. structure so the first one was yeah. about the family there were quite a lot of children's clothes she had six children so when she ma- married in the next i think it was over 20 years she had these sort of six children mm. and um there was a little bit about their um servants so they always had nursery maids and another servants but hardly any clothes of those have survived. Right. And then they also were big letter writers. And, of course, the two boys in the family were sent to boarding school, so there was a lot of letters going backwards and forwards. Uh, so the first room was about, about that. And then the next two rooms were about her clothes, and they were mainly grouped into um, evening outerwear, accessories, that kind of thing. Right. So they were, were not really chronological. They were sort of more grouped into themes. Mm. And then the the last room was quite a lot about the different department stores and shops in Liverpool, and how there was a hierarchy between the shops. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, that was really really interesting. It's also very interesting in the. It's sort of mirrored in how the the catalogue or book is set up. And there were a few things I. I particularly thought were interesting. Some of the objects, she had these most beautiful... I love bathing shoes anyway. Oh, my God, so do I. And she had um, these most beautiful espadrilles. I didn't never know how you say them, espadrilles. Mm. Yeah, and they were sort of off-white canvas and they were embroidered I think with an anchor in sort of red wool and they had oh my goodness and they were a bit higher at the back which I don't I'm not sure I've seen that before and they no, had they're usually flat yeah they have a little bit higher at the back and they had leather sort of crisscrossy straps so were they for actually going in the water in no I think like bathing shoes I think are actually for being on the beach Ah, okay. I always thought, but I'm not quite sure, actually, no, now that you say that. No, there are ones going in the water. Mm, yeah, I, I, I just thought they were for being... And they, I think they dated them 1910. Sunbathing. Yeah, for just being on, on the beach. And I guess if you're ah. on a pebbled beach, for instance... Yeah, you'd, you need it. You'd need some shoes. So they were wow. beautiful. They also had something that I'd never seen before, which was like um, from the 20s, like if you have an embroidered evening gown, it was a panel of it. So, you know, like the 18th century waistcoats, you can... You oh, can, yes. And, and it was the same principle. So, but, so like the bodice? Yeah, it was... No, it was the entire front in that a particular... Wow. Part. Yeah, so it was a off-white... And I send you a picture. It's difficult mm. to describe, but... They'd mounted it on a board, but it was just a flat piece of fabric. But you could see that it was a dress because it was embroidered so that the embroidery made a low waistline. Ah, and wow. um, yeah, I didn't know you could get them like that. And I no, I didn't. I wonder whether they came from France or in 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 that oh. way, um, because she didn't buy in France or anything like that. She always bought at these different places in in Liverpool who sometimes of course had things from France Mm. Um, so that was really interesting and in the catalogue they mentioned a few panels that sound a bit like that which I think came to the museum recently I want to know about that yeah I thought that was really fascinating and then the other thing that really she has beautiful accessories shoes not so much but particularly Mm. 
very nice hats, very nice costume jewellery involving quite a lot of plastic, uh, oh, which I thought was interesting. Um, well, it is interesting because it sounds like she had enough money. I wonder if she had real jewels too, but they haven't gone to the museum. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, the jewellery that did show, there were a few pieces that had sort of flowers made out of plastic and there was one that was quite sort of tutank. I can never say that either. Tutank Amun. Yeah. And yeah, sort of mixture of diamante and plastic and really quite interesting mixture of um of of different sort of uh materials. And and very nice sort of evening bags as well. But then the other thing that really struck both of us was there were quite a lot of things that she never seems to have worn. So there was one section which had which had just like six or seven fur coats from the 20s and one of them in particular was said that she probably never wore it. And I but think... But then if she shopped every day... Yeah. So I thought... And apparently there were some things that weren't on display but in the catalogues it says there were some things she shopped in different colorways and some things weren't ever taken out of their packaging. Oh. Um and then, so there was in the catalogue, Pauline Rushton, she's the, she's the curator and she also wrote the catalogue. She sort of speculates whether she was, whether that she was satisfying some emotional need or whatever with her yeah. shopping. But she also says maybe she just liked shopping and it doesn't. Yes. So, and then similarly, there was one evening dress. She had a lot of evening gowns and there was one. I, I wanted to ask if there sort of is, I, I wonder what event she was going to that's that's a really good point because one of the with one of the evening outfits which was displayed quite dramatically was a dark she had a lot of black as well evening almost all her evening stuff was black actually and apparently that one of her daughters said she had to wear black once for morning and then she liked it so much that she continued oh, wearing it but this was an evening gown with bell sleeves and they had had it on a mannequin with outstretched arms so you could really see the bell Lovely. sleeves and they were sort of black velvet. Velvet was another thing she liked. And the bell sleeves were white inside or dark pale pink. Oh. Yeah, really, really nice. But again, they said she didn't wear that one. And I think with that one, they suggested they, they didn't know what sort of occasion she would have worn it to. I mean, I, I mean it, it, sort of up, I guess, probably into the seventh, well, even longer than that the, the sort of dinner dances there were lots of those middle class and upper middle class ladies went to weren't there yes and they husbands. exactly they and were we, wondering we've got lots of photographs of my mum and dad like in the 50s at dinner dances oh really mm. Mm. they also were wondering whether she they dressed for dinner the family Oh, um, yes, of course, of course. Maybe not always. They were in a very big house in a sort of suburb of Liverpool and yeah. they had definitely had a cook. Um, so there might have been been that. So, so there was quite a few things she didn't wear and there was in particular a 1930s evening gown and it was sort of very typical bias cut black. Uh, I thought it was satin, but in the, in the catalogue it says it's crepe and it's got a little belt with a diamante um Lovely. buckle and then it has these they're, they're almost like sort of floating scarf type things um that hang from the shoulder and again they are faced with a lighter fabric and um it was 
it was not, you know, it, it's the kind of thing you could imagine J- Jane Harlow, Jean Harlow wearing, <laughs> but it wasn't, it was much bigger than Jean Harlow was. So it, not much bigger. It wasn't really a big size, but it was sort of like size maybe 16 or something it would yeah. have been now. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then it said again that it she couldn't have worn it. It was actually too small for for the oh. size she wore at that point and also too long. And I thought that was so interesting that she she must have bought stuff for this idealized person or for yes. you know for for a life maybe and for for an idealized yourself that that she she wasn't. So I'm speculating, of course. I don't know. Yeah, no, but it's interesting. It's mm. very interesting because it is as though she had because because from from what you say from the photographs and from her granddaughter's account she wasn't that person but maybe she was maybe you know it would be really fascinating to see her earlier clothes because is this a sort of like that she's aging and getting larger as she ages potentially and think and thinking back to her youth do you know what i mean of like still buying things for a younger vision of her version of herself is it as you say that she's like got an ideal that she'll become this thing or just she wants to wear it in her bedroom and look in the mirror you know it it would be really good to see before and after this period to to kind of work out they did have some some photos so when she and so and the earliest pieces they 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 did have a few of these early pieces Mm. and she was tiny i mean she was when she in 1910 you know she was very very tiny and then they have she has a lot of stuff made by dressmakers and she had a lot of paper patterns as well and they are um in you know in the in the language of the time i'm just flicking through the catalog i think they call them outsized pattern right or pattern. but then she had six children yeah well. exactly of course so um yeah. so some of the time she'd have been having clothes for pregnancy, post-pregnancy bodies. That's true. And they actually do have some actual pregnancy, uh, maternity mm. um, and pregnancy sort of pieces there, which is great because you don't see them so much. No, you don't. What were they um, like? Um, they have a corset, a, a maternity oh corset. Oh, goodness. Can you imagine? Yeah. So that I, you, can't, I can never I can't really actually. imagine how, like... The thought of a pregnant tummy and a corset, I mean, obviously they'd be softer, but I don't even know how you would get one round. Yeah, although they... from the shape of uh, your of women's tummies, because they're all different shapes. That's I true. But these ones, well, two things. These, the ones they had, the one they had there had lacing on the side. So, okay. so you, you know, you, you had quite a lot of areas where you could have adjusted it right and then i obviously have no clue about these things but i i do know of people who wear something for support yeah even now so in a way it might not have been totally unpleasant i I don't know i Mm. hope not for all the pregnant women yeah whatever date it would be and then they had a i think it was like a long sort of hip length blouse type thing which you know had quite a lot of fullness from the shoulders down yeah. so and they they said that that would have been a maternal uh, yeah pregnancy yeah. blouse um, and i've just i've lost track from your chronology when does she become a teacher so she's born in 86 and then so she and then she goes to liverpool 
1906 when she's 20 and I think okay. she's already been trained and um, worked right. as a teacher before before so that. So do you get a sense of her work where of her No she because work? she she trains and works before oh. she goes before she marries and and okay. they only have things from when she marries and they suggest right. that maybe because she was a missionary daughter and I don't know how much money she had before she marries I don't think she was, they, you know, she wasn't super wealthy. I don't think she was poor either. But maybe there was a thing of not buying that much. Maybe that wasn't something they did in her family. I don't know. Yeah. So um, the, the the clothes predominantly are from when she from when she gets married. I see. She um, gave up work then. It's that. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, I think most women sort of yeah. have to. And she has, I think, the first child quite quickly. Yeah. I think after a year, and then she has children until the end of the 20s wow so her body must have been changing enormously yeah. over that whole period mm. and beyond yeah so, so she may have been thinking i'm buying this dress for when i i don't have baby weight maybe and she would have stopped you know that that evening dress i mentioned was from the mm. 30s so okay yes so. so she wouldn't have had you know well i don't know whether mm. she knew it that it had stopped at that point but um <laughs> She didn't have any more children after, I think, 29 or so. And it sounds very fascinating. I really, really like ones. I really like exhibitions of wardrobes when it's just fascinating, like you're saying, she liked velvet. And I love things like that where you you get to understand how an individual is thinking about their clothes and relating to their clothes and favouring particular things over other things and kind of cutting through fashion magazine fashion yes and you you know so some of these things were explained in the labels but a lot of the time you just it was quite obvious you know the velvet thing was quite obvious yes um the black thing was quite quite obvious yeah there was a lot of embroidery but I guess there were a lot of 20s evening dresses so you know that's sort of what you expect yeah um, but there were also what I did like was there were sort of plainer Day, day dresses in the catalogue they mentioned what she didn't have or at least it didn't survive I wonder whether I did wonder whether she wore them out with sort of suits um, yes it was yes. main but maybe that wasn't something she liked I don't know but also I suppose it's what she kept yes because mm. if she was shopping a lot even if a lot was left she may have been editing yeah and keeping things she just liked as things yeah it's also interesting that, you know, not doing the war, you would think maybe they would have had to, you know, reuse things and maybe yeah, they did and she true. had even more. But yeah, like the granddaughter said, it in her later years, she didn't, didn't seem to have continued to do, you know, to get that many things. Uh, when you started telling me about this, I was thinking, oh, wow, imagine their dressing up box. Because I know when I was... Oh, yes. Mm. I had things from my granny and things from my mum. Mm. You know, and and it was just this wonderful kind of mishmash of things from different periods and different people. And But clearly that was not going on. No, it doesn't sound like it. They were all found in tea chests. Um, it does also include... The exhibition also includes underwear, which is which is nice so combinations and yeah as I already said a lot of camisoles brassieres um so it really is quite yeah really the entire entire thing 
It sounds so, so interesting. Yeah, it's really good. It's unfortunately just not only on for a, for another another week. But I oh, I, that's a shame. Yeah, they did they did mention that you know over the last few years they've they've shown bits and pieces, and I'm sure mm. that will that will continue. And as I said, the catalogue has masses of photos in it. I must get it. And it's got I think the entire inventory of absolutely everything in the back, which oh, is so wow. super useful. It's really really it must um, be. great. Mm. Oh, I have to get it for the for the courthouse library. Yeah, I'm it's going really it it's well. really good. Oh well, that sounds very good. Yeah, no, it was it was it was fun. Yeah, it was really good yeah. thing to see. I'm. I mean, I'm going to stop moaning about my sweaters now. <laughs> yeah. And just be thankful for having some. Yeah. Yeah, and, yes. yeah, and you can start maybe packing some things in tea chests. I don't know. Should well, one do that? No, no I, I don't think I will. Things. No, true. Mm. And also, I, I mean, not that I have a child, but maybe Coda would like to start dressing uh-huh. up. But I do think all children should be given dressing up boxes. Yeah. I think that's a really important thing yeah. that you just have. When I was little, I would come home from school and, I mean, my mum had a lot of trouble keeping me in my clothes at that age. And I would just take all my clothes off and just run to the dressing up box and immediately start adorning myself with scarves and who knows what. Yeah, I never that's where, had that. That's where the rot all started. Yeah. I had a friend who had one, but we, I didn't, we didn't really have that at home. I had, mine was like in the hall. It's like a big hall, and so I could come in, run, you know, take off my clothes as I was coming in, run straight to the dressing up box, and then until dinner time would be creating different outfits out of what was in there swanning around doing parades down the (laughs) staircase there was a good little platform i could you know on the staircase that i could parade around this is on my own this is in Mm. my own you know mad realm that i probably still have (laughs) so i very much support the thing of having a dressing up no i mean it's such an important thing for me yeah so so yes would be nice Hooray, to have one now. I know. Maybe we should just get them. I mean, who cares what other people think? Yeah. Okay. We'll just start a dressing up box. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Well, that's our, that's our takeaway. Yeah. Exactly. All okay. right. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.